0: Good evening, Patriots. And it's Tuesday, October 18th in the year 2022. East Coast, you're careening into Wednesday. Week is already going by so quickly. It's unbelievable. Really amazing. But that just seems to be the way things are these days. Nothing seems to stand still. Pages, in this time, make sure that that hard-earned wealth that you've gained, you're doing everything you can to preserve. And for that reason, we have Birch Gold. Patriots, as you know, the stock market has been in absolute turmoil. And with that also comes an increase in the consumer price index. Inflation is on the rise. So if you're wondering what our illustrious leader is doing to quell the surge of inflation that's destroying American families, you know as well as I do. They're spending more money and adding more burden to the debt. Effectively, nothing. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings get decimated. Do something about it. Text BARDS to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. These are great people with almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't allow the left to devalue your savings. Text BARDS to 989898 and claim your free no-obligation info kit from Birch Gold. Again, you can own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account and Birch Gold will help you do it. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out. Text BARDS to 989898. Again, that's BARDS to 989898. And secure your future with Birch Gold. Do it today. And that's BARDS to 989898, to Birch, which will give you that. Texting BARDS will give you that Birch Gold intro kit, which is well worth it. So I want to begin tonight just with this piece I played earlier in the previous show. And I think it's really powerful and something just to listen to as we really walk into into a time and place where building that intimate relationship with Father and that intimacy with Christ is
1: so important. So take a listen to this. How do you know when God doesn't want you to do something? So say, for example, you have a big decision coming up in your life or a problem just pops up out of nowhere. How do you clearly hear God's voice on what to do? And to add to this, what does his voice sound like? Like if you've never heard from God before, how do you know it's him and not your own thoughts? These are great questions, so let's dive into this. First things first, you won't be able to discern and understand God's voice unless you spend time with him. I find that the more time that I spend with God each day and all throughout my day, praying and reading and studying the Word, the more I become in tune when the Holy Spirit speaks something to me. I'm using God and the Holy Spirit interchangeably here. But we know from Scripture that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into all truth. He was the gift that was given to us on the day of Pentecost after Jesus ascended into heaven. Hearing from the Holy Spirit, at least in my case, is somewhat of an internal knowing. There's three different ways that I can tell if it's Him or not, and I want you to write these down. I'll know it's him because he will either convict me to change something in my life to become more like Christ. He will give me a course of action to take based on God's word, or he will confirm something that has been recurring in my mind. Like if a certain decision needs to be made, I'll receive the same answer in multiple ways. So let's explain these one by one. The Holy Spirit is a pro at bringing conviction when you aren't living the way you're supposed to be living. He wants nothing more than for you to walk in kingdom purpose. So you can bet if sin is causing problems in your life, he will tell you to remove it by giving you internal conviction that it 100% needs to change. But if you're not in tune with him, you won't know when you're grieving him, and that's a big problem. Number two, the Holy Spirit will begin to give you action steps to take, even if that action step is to remain still. If there's one thing I do know, it's that if you consistently surrender this problem or decision over to God, he will give you instruction one piece at a time. Most often, he won't reveal the whole blueprint. He'll give you one instruction at a time as he leads you and helps your faith grow. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And number three, the Holy Spirit will confirm God's will about this decision or problem the closer that it gets to the deadline. For example, when you're supposed to take an exit to get off the freeway, you won't just see one sign when the exit is near. You'll see three to four plus signs miles before to prepare you to exit. The Holy Spirit works in the same way. If a big decision or fork in the road is up ahead, He will prepare you and give you multiple signs that it's coming. It will be confirmed. But here's the kicker. You won't be able to see the signs unless you're paying attention, a.k.a. you're spending time with God every single day in his word. God's will is revealed through his word. Simply put, the more you make him a priority, the more clearly you'll hear his voice.
0: Man, there's a lot in that, and it's so awesome. You've heard me say so much of those things over different shows, and I always find it amazing. We talked something about this over the last week, and especially on Sunday about kingdom business. And when you find things like this, and he just even mentioned in confirmation, because I can't tell you how many times it is that I'll be going through and talking about something on the show and then something will pop up and saying the same message. That's God really working right now with a lot of resonating messages that we need to be hearing. Because building an intimate relationship for him, with him, is absolutely paramount to get through this next session. What is coming is going to be very upheaval. It's going to be a huge upheaval. And it's going to shake a lot of people. And when we're sitting here and we're just praying, and we say we're going to pray our way through this, it's going to be very difficult to navigate if you don't have this intimate dialogue with God. And I think in the way that the church is in the modern day, it's not something that's really taught or even encouraged. We pray, we are obedient. We are a lot of things, but the the idea of taking that to the next level to where you're literally having a living, talking, breathing relationship with Jesus and Father God is something that for some, I will tell you, even some churches are going to look at you sideways like, what have you been smoking? And the answer is nothing. The true answer is, what are you not paying attention to? As appropriate response, because... God is there knocking on the door, waiting to be let in. And if we'll invite him in, he's going to sit down and dine at dinner. And that's the most amazing part of the Lord that we have is this unbelievable relationship that he's offering us. And with that, there's many things that are that are going to be asked of us. And it's because this time that we're in is intended to be a time when we truly are here as a remnant to work with and to guide through the many that, frankly, are going to be lost. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of just how many. And and that's that's a pretty heavy order right there. Right? We a pretty tall order that's on our plate when we start to look at what's ahead and. There's really no getting, it's not an intention to get out of it by any means. It's that we have a lot of responsibility for the time that we're in. So we have obviously the, the walking and, and accepting of Christ in our lives. And we have the idea of healing, which is given to us in the various forms of, of the passages that I read regularly, but of the many forms Luke 10, 19, which is obviously referencing the authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy. And healing is also embedded in John 14, 12, which is to do the works that I do and even greater works than these. We have to cast out demons, basically, is one of our roles. This is all Isaiah 61. Deliverance. Work, which is to free people from the connection and, and anchoring and attacks from the demons they let in, it is really a world that we're in right now that we're not prepared. The pulpit has not prepared the flock, to be honest, in a general way. And the reason the pulpit hasn't prepared the flock is because they've accepted a different route. Now, I'll give you my opinion on it, but I and I'm I'm pretty outspoken on it, and you know that is that once you begin to work a model where the church becomes a business. And with that, it becomes more important to keep people in the pews and keep the money flowing than it is to preach the word of Christ. We're at a very difficult time. And unfortunately, we have seen that in many, many churches. To the, blessing, and the blessings that COVID brought, that God brought to the world is he basically fired thousands of churches, shut them down. They, they willfully shut down and basically that's God's like, you're fired. And people were left without a place to worship and they've migrated to other places where they're finding strength, which is beautiful. But we have to be able to arm people for spiritual warfare. And right now, the large part of the following in Christ is not ready for spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare isn't just reading Ephesians six ten to 18 and like, okay, I'm good to go and I'm all protected. Spiritual warfare is going to begin in a much deeper level. And so, I want to walk you through a little bit today of a process I've been going through again, but it's just something that I would really recommend everybody go through. And it's basically going through your life with a microscope and walking back as far as you can remember and then walking forward and looking for those things that are revealed in our prayers and in our discussions with Christ of what it is that can create these openings, these potential places where. Demonic forces can take root and make a contract to be there. The, de- the demon- demonic world works on a contractual basis. When I say that, it's, they can assume a right to be there when we have violated the way that they're supposed to be, and we've opened up a door for them. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 is a, is a concept to keep very present here because we're putting on our armor. And I want you to imagine being in a battlefield, And and I will tell you a real story of this. I mean, being in a battlefield and you have bullets flying everywhere and you're armored up, if you get hit in the vital places, you're not going to, you won't die. You may get wounded if you get hit in an arm or something like that. But when there's gaps in the armor, and I can tell you numerous stories in Afghanistan where literally like the bullet slips between the helmet and the top of the body armor, pierces the base of the skull, and the guy gets killed that's kind of what we're talking about here is that when we are dealing with these demonic forces, if we're not armored up spiritually, we are leaving cracks in the armor for them to enter. And that takes on many forms. We're told that what basically paraphrasing again, but what we speak into the world has power of who we are and words have the force of life and death. So if we're cursing and we're, getting angry, we're speaking that into the world, we're opening up a gap in our armor. If we are walking with a burden of a sin that we've done in our life and we're not dealing with it and we're not confronting and asking for repentance on that, we're leaving a gap in our armor that can be used against us. So that part is what I want to dig into tonight to get deeper into a concept of repentance that I don't know how many do, but I'd highly recommend you go through this process because it is, it's powerful, it's freeing, and it's, it takes some courage to do. Every one of us has stuff in our past and while we embrace the fact that when we are saved and we accept Christ in our life, we are giving, we've been given forgiveness but that's kind of like throwing a sheet over a, a car and expecting it all to be okay. I mean, we what we're, it doesn't get into pulling the sheet off and looking where all the scratches are, buffing them out, getting that polish on there and working that out. All, the, all we're being given is kind of this blanket coverage of everything. But the real power is when we get into the details, the granularity of those events in our life. And that means going back in our memories as far as we can and walking that path with Jesus and literally letting the events in our life be exposed through a different set of eyes to what it is that we have done or intentionally or unintentionally, whether we're aware of it or not, what has opened those cracks and what are the pieces of that line of sin in our life and then addressing each one of those and as we go through each one of those in our life and we put it before our Lord Jesus and we say, look, I'm asking forgiveness for this, and, this is, and for us to open our heart and to articulate it, speak it. I'm not just talking about think it, speak it. And be able to then ask for the blessing of forgiveness and then be able to seal it with the blood of the cross and make sure that it is now a protected element we are creating a very strong, strong armor in this world. And it takes time and it takes digging in deep. And it and it's not always comfortable because as we reflect on our lives, as, especially as young, ch- as we were children and we were young adults, there's many things that we've done that we just kind of meandered through life and not aware, but they're nonetheless, we're accountable for all of that. So very much in a certain sense, what, what this is like, in a very mild sense of like standing before Father as he looks into our eyes and looks into our heart and he's looking for the reflection of his son in our heart. And as he's doing that, anything that is not of kingdom and is not working through that reflection of Christ is simply going to fall away. It can't be there anymore. So the this process of doing this step by step, of digging in deep, of one of just getting into the micro granularity in this is literally digging all those things out, putting them before Jesus, and just literally laying them out and seeking the forgiveness on each one of these things. That process frees us up because what we tend to find like, if you go to a counselor, what they're going to do is they're going to try to find your problem. And they're going to take a screwdriver and, or maybe an ice pick and they're going to stab it right in the middle of that. They're not going to tell you they're going to do that, but that's what they end up doing. And then they're going to have you relive that and tell you that you have to come to grips with it. That's not our walk here because our relationship with Christ is to be forgiven. And as we are forgiven, to be able to stand up and be stronger in the world than we were before, to be able to. Go from that place of forgiveness to once again to rise up and be able to be near the throne. Repentance is to be able to stand back up, not to stay down. And this is another one of these things that the modern church in particular loves to peddle the idea of you are a sinner, you're unworthy, and part of that is a process of generating capital. And I know that may feel uncomfortable to some people, but look at it objectively, what's going on here. When they get somebody in pews, it's more important to fill the pews. In order to fill the pews, you have to pitch a guilt, and you have to be good at pitching guilt, because then people feel like they have to return next Sunday. They don't return necessarily because of the value of the sermon. They're returning because they have to constantly be in this cycle of being forgiven for all their sins. We should be doing that as a natural course of events of who we are. That's who we are. And as the pulpit should be talking to many things, part of those things is to raise us up. Part of us is to equip us into this world of how we're going to be dealing with the real enemy. Our enemy is primarily of a spiritual nature. That's one of the key aspects you can take away with, the, with Ephesians 6, 10, and 18. Principality is beyond our reach. And this enemy is vicious. From my eyes, a guy that has walked now been been walking a path with Jesus and my eyes just keep being opened and opened. But when you look in this world and you see this insanity and you try to put a rational When I say rational, let's use a five senses overlay on this. That's sight, sound. So what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel, right? What we smell. Those five senses. When we put those five senses to our world, we say, what's going on? Because it doesn't make sense. Because we've been heavily doled down and we don't give credence enough to the spiritual realm, which, we're, which is talked about throughout scripture. And because we don't have tools and because we aren't being encouraged to dig into those tools or learn about that space. Matter of fact, when you do, it's kind of like, Oh dude, you're one of those that believes in demons. Like, okay, whatever. You're a weird one. I'm like, all right, I'll take being weird. I'm cool with that because it's real. And when you look at our world right now and this eruption of things that have happened, what we've seen is a world that has fallen, but it has fallen so far away from God that there's no armor and the possessions and the in infections of a demonic sense are happening everywhere. And it's erupting out with a, with this kind of uh, stormtrooper type army that takes the form of men in dresses and skirts, the shock troops of the whole things, which are the transgenders and they're going after the children that have no protection and they're completely vulnerable. Worse yet, most of these children are not being trained in the house of how to even put on an armor, how to keep God around them, how to walk tight with Jesus. They're not even being equipped for it. So they're easy prey. Many of these children have never even been taught how to pray or to pray. And so they are easy prey. And they become victims of this demonic force. And as they then are pulled into this, parents that are launching their children into public school right now are literally throwing their children into the pit of fire with the devil himself. These are vicious entities we're dealing with. I don't know, you know, I, I have no tolerance for this sort of grooming or harming the little ones, and you know that. But at the same time, if if we aren't teaching this sort of equipping of how to deal with some of this at a young age, we're we're literally walking into the den of vipers and then expecting to come out okay. Our world is deeply corrupted and infected right now. And there's many when I look at the children, it's the greatest indicator to me because God has been putting God has, has these children here. And if you what's amazing to me is when you engage with children that are walking with Jesus I'm so impressed with the depth of what they have in life by their age alert aware they've been they they're they feel empowered Their, their hearts are big and loving they have a great deal of fearlessness they're very acutely aware of how this world works and how to use its tools better than most adults but when we strip away their ability to protect themselves that becomes very dark very quickly and it's a sad thing that responsibility falls on us in the pulpit but where is it being taught starting with that deep side within us to literally dig in deep to each one of ourselves, digging in to find those places that we have to present and to seek repentance on. It's like everything else in prayer. If we pray just to pray, I'm not saying it doesn't, isn't hurt, and I'm not saying it doesn't any good, but prayer should have intention because prayer is a weapon system in the, in so many ways. It's a, it's a, a powerful force in this time, it's, a, it's like a weapon system, but it's more than that because it's obviously we have to pray with intention. And as we pray with intention, we see the results of God's hand and it's happening everywhere if we have eyes to see. But if, if we're just going to meander through life, it's like I said the other day, if we're praying for President Trump, make the prayer intentional for what we're trying to seek we did as a nation a major disservice to the president because we prayed, and I think this is, can be well agreed on by everybody, We so much of the nation was praying for President Trump to fix the problem for them, not praying for his success and power and empowerment and love in Jesus. A big difference. So we were personalizing him as our personal fixer to some, even their savior. And that's a dangerous path to walk. Our prayers, if we're going to be focused, like right now in a nation, prayers for mercy, yes. Prayers for awakening of hearts to come to Jesus, absolutely. But just like make this all go away, God, that's not going to work. Because this problem is here in this time. And we have been given dominion to deal with it. So we have to, and we have to deal with it in a big way. And that means confronting the evil and gaining the tools for that. And that is a study that we each, I believe, have to embrace upon. And it's not just something we suddenly do, you, you but it begins with understanding some of what sits before us in spiritual warfare and, that is to understand that there is a force out there that is constantly trying to corrupt you as well as everyone you're around. And that this our prayers spoken have the power to transform this world, to, to, to literally strike down evil. And as we give that evil to Jesus, that demon to Jesus, to ask him to take it to where it needs to be sent, it shall be cast away. God will hear our prayers. The more that we are focused on this time in prayer and in repentance, on the details of the granularity of it, the more powerful our voice in prayer becomes, the more free we become from the anchors of this earth. And that is something, from my perspective, only gets more intense as we go forward because we're constantly being barraged, and we have to get mightier, as men and women in of God, it has to be this way. If we don't, because what else? Where's the world going to turn to? We look at the the craziness going on right now. There is such an immorality in everywhere we go. There's a sprinkling of churches, respectively, across this nation that are speaking strong messages, and they're here. I'm not saying when I talk about churches in a general sense, I am never going to cast off or try to diminish the great work that is still going on in some churches. But there is a war going on, and that war is literally at the pulpit, and many of the pulpits, especially when you get into mega churches or you get into churches that have taken the heavy emphasis on the money route, those churches are have a massive are many of those churches are so deeply corrupted they're not even delivering the message. Some churches right now, and stories I've had firsthand, They've had pastors sent over to, flown over to the Vatican. They aren't even Catholic. And they come back suddenly woke. And what's the hook? They've been offered promises of money and power if they will simply follow the woke ideology. That's literally words of Satan right there. That money is the biggest, one of the biggest traps in our lives. It's a nasty one. You imagine that we take physical labor, and we work, just imagine cutting wood, and we'll start there. We're cutting wood all day, and at the end of the day, you're paid for eight hours of work. Your muscles are tired. You've done a couple cords of wood, and you're handed, we'll say, for eight hours a day in this 10 hours, we are handed $80. We'll even do better. We'll say $15 an hour. So you're handed $120 for in paper, which will sit in your palm with one $100 bill and one dollars bill. And you can fold it up and you can stick it in your pocket and you could even forget it's there and wash your, your clothes and discover it later. But that's... Those two pieces of paper, a $100 bill and a $20 bill, represents the physical labor of two cords of wood that is now stuck, stacked up behind you in this example. And all of that energy that you put in all day long is reduced down to two pieces of paper. This is one of the foundations of Babylonian money magic. And it's one of the biggest traps in our world that binds us because we've accepted that no matter how hard I work, how sweaty I get, no matter what effort I do, no matter what I create, I will accept in exchange for this a few pieces of paper that have in themselves zero value, but they are charged with emotional and spiritual energy of what I put into the whole day. So we build a literal bond bond with that paper. Money is one of the most hypercharged pieces you'll ever put into your life, ever put into your hand. Because we have reducing physical energy and labor into something that is literally paper and worth nothing. But we've given it an intense value. We've given it an emotional value. And we've even embodied that with a spiritual value because we believe in it. That is one of our first major binds that we have to deal with on a daily basis. It's one of the biggest ones we confront every single day. And money controls us in a huge way. And it is a force of darkness. We end up managing our life by the way in which we choose to spend our money and in these daily expenditures and daily things we, we worry about bills so take for example we talked about in the last hour this rise of the cbdc and the digital currency i would imagine there were a number of people that heard that show they were right away asking themselves questions okay what am i going to do because if they take this away i'm not going to be able to, they're, they're going to force me into the cbdc and then how am i going to pay my electric bill and how am i going to pay the 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 water bill and and All of a sudden, you find yourself in a physical set state of anxiety, which is literally the darkness controlling you. And that is how controlling money is. When you get a lot of it, you can feel happy. When you don't have a lot of it and you have all of these bills being thrown at you or you have expenses lining up, you can feel depressed. It can control your entire body, your entire emotional state. All your physiology becomes encompassed in a piece of paper. That is one of the darkest forces ever known. And it's rooted again in what is known as Babylonian money magic. Because this money, whether you realize it or not, there are rituals done even now to curse money, to give it power over people. And part of that that ritual is that people will accept it by their free will. And once we do, it is the one of the biggest cracks in our armor that we have. It literally moves in, grabs control, and starts to bind us and hold us. As we're going through a process of deep, what I'll call deep repentance, which is literally drilling in deep, this is an area to explore. Every one of us should be of looking at where the holds and the hooks are. We can call it idolatries. We can call it, you can call it hooks and and anchors to the darkness. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, call it Satan's hand. I don't care. However you visualize that, money is one of those. It can't be ignored. And as it binds us, it's limiting us in our ability to flow within the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit is is rejecting us. It's that we are being pulled away from it by our own free will. There is no greater control over us than us. We become our greatest enemy and we become our greatest problem because we constantly are accepting contracts by virtue of our free will. We're choosing to do things without choosing to work first through Father God. This is part of the big shift we're going to have to make in kingdom work, in kingdom business, is we have to be able to work constantly first, Father, how can I serve you more? And when we are channeling everything through that, and we are checking in in this relationship we have with the Father, we are now moving forward in such a way that we are hearing him, and we're developing a a symbiotic and two-way conversation with him. that's giving us navigations. You're not always going to get a response. If you're out, you're like, you're going to buy a piece of gum for 25 cents. You may not get an answer on that one. And yet you may. But the point is that even the most, even the smallest of things and the biggest of things, there should be a dialogue at a level within you working with God into working through these times. If you're going to go to the grocery store and you're going to buy lettuce and tomatoes and apples, there is a, a, a relationship happening in using and understanding that when we tr- transform money from being an anchor to something that God gives us to steward and use effectively to navigate this system, it le- ceases to have a bind on us. But when we let money lead us, we have a problem. I've used this example before, but I think it's a very important one to embrace. In a perspective of the Babylonian system, when your account bank account gets large, you feel good and comfortable. In the perspective of kingdom work, when your bank account gets large, you feel very uncomfortable because that is money that God has given you to steward and to help the kingdom. So it's the inverse. When the account is low, we should be feeling good empowered because we know that we've used that money as God has told us to steward and to move it into the kingdom in whatever form that is rather than hoard and hold because it gives us a false sense of security. That's Babylonian. And if you look at everything we have right now in our life, how much of this world that we're in is all based towards hoarding. Build your 401k up. Get a bigger house. Get yourself in a position where you have a larger salary. Build up more debt. Everything is about bigger, bigger, bigger. Get bigger for you, for you, for you. In God's world, in the kingdom side of this, it is not going to be that that, that approach. Instead, it's about what. how can we constantly push outward to give more. It doesn't say don't take care of yourself, but how can we steward this so that even if that means that we live more simply, that our effect on the world is greater because we're not holding for ourselves, we're taking what God gives us and we're stewarding it out. So that bank account is constantly on the down, on the trickle down, not on the building up. Where is our real bank account? It's not here. For the Babylonians, the real bank account, the only bank account is in the towers of power that they build and create. Those are the temples that they have. We call them banks. We call it Wall Street, right? In kingdom work, our only bank account is in heaven. And it's the place where we're storing how we are walking and building up that account based on the deeds that we do in serving Father. So in this process of digging in deep in a repentance section, part of this is getting into the granularities of what controls us. Sin is a funny thing because I think in many times we think of sin as something we egregiously do. We, uh, someone has an affair, that's, and they say, that's sin. Okay. Someone else steals something. That's sin. But it's also the little things that become so powerful and controlling of us. And again, one of those is our obsession with money. and It's right before us all the time. Idolatries, we talk about this regularly. Idolatries, like obsessing about President Trump. Is he going to get reelected? Is he going to save us? He's a man. And he's simply, and he's a person that has been put there to do a job. We can pray for him, as I would pray for the success of my father doing his job. Because of the nature of his job, it's a bigger job. It's of the nation. I would pray, I'm praying for him to seek Christ and lead the nation in a repenting prayer. But if Trump isn't in power, which he's, we don't know what the status of this clown show is we're watching. We have this hand puppet. And I've said this many times, don't overlook the importance of praying for our enemies. Again, we have to watch what, how we're idolizing people because if we're looking at Trump to fix it all, like we're looking at money to solve our problems in our life, we're not taking accountability and we're becoming sinful in that process. We have to release from that. Just as a footnote, and I've said this before, there's nothing that can be more disruptive to the enemy than to have Harari, if you remember who he is, accept Christ and openly come to Jesus and seek forgiveness is it possible? Anything's possible for God. Would it shake the world? It sure as heck would. And I don't know who would shake the world more. President Trump leading the nation in a prayer of repentance or Harari accepting Christ and saying so openly and leading the world in a prayer of repentance. That's a good one to think about. But anyway, dig deep, reflect deeply, Ask Jesus to walk that path with you, go into your life. This isn't an exercise in trying to flail yourself for what is done in the past. This is a process of deep freedom and healing. It's a process where we get into the granularity of the events that we feel guilty about events that we don't feel good about events that we know that we did things wrong. Walk that path with Jesus. Ask for forgiveness where it shows up. Ask for the sealing and the healing of the blood of the cross on those things. Do not allow your armor to be weak in this time. It is so important. And the stronger we get, the mightier we are in the world. Because we know that we've been truthful and honest in the depths of our heart to Jesus and in process to Father. So as we confront these challenges, which are coming and coming in greater waves, challenges that will try to dig into you, challenges that will try to find a vulnerability within you, maybe it's a thought to make you, when you're most focused on your prayer, maybe it's something that's thrown at you like an arrow, slings and arrows. Maybe it comes at you, and as it comes at you, it's there intentionally to deviate you and suddenly get you obsessed with something you've done, You start to worry about it. Maybe something you forgot to do. Maybe it's an appointment. I don't know. And it totally takes you away from a deep prayer moment with with God. That's the enemy working. And as we get to the place where we can get ourselves centered and anchored and working purely in that flow with Father, we're talking to him. He's talking to us. God is speaking in his different ways. The armor gets stronger. We're finding those points of those vulnerabilities in the armor and we're stitching them up. We're bringing in Jesus to help heal. We're bringing in that blood of the cross to seal it. Now you're getting into a place where you're becoming mighty. Mighty in the spiritual war. This is getting ready to go to war. And though this war is building, the main event hasn't been here yet. We're still in pregame. And what we do right now to truly strengthen ourselves and get ourselves ready is going to make all the difference as we move forward. Because patriots, I know this in my heart of hearts. As things begin and continue to degrade, some things will be steady, some things will be fast. You will find increasingly numbers of people seeking you out not because you're standing on a pulpit screaming on a street corner, but because your strength in Jesus is showing through and they'll be drawn to it. And what will be called upon us will be much. Never will so much be asked of so many by so few. I think I did that right. I might've got that inverted. Never will so much be asked of so few by so many. I thought I did that wrong. There you go. Never will so much be asked of so few by so many. Such an important point. That's the world that we're now in. And there's going, this change is a, is a war going on. A war that's being waged between those that are truly walking in the power and the light of Jesus and those that are obsessed with the power of control and darkness and the institutions of men. We know who wins this, but we're on the battlefield. So get your armor strong, dig deep, and seal the breaches and be ready to fight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these times that we come together and thank you for the blessed wisdom that comes through to share with us all and for us to reflect upon. In these times that we are in, we know very well, Father, that there's going to be many challenges and that you've put us here in such a time and place because you know that we can and will make a difference on this battlefield of the spiritual war. Father, we absolutely are humbled and praise you for all that you have done and continue to do and how well you know us. And Father, we, as we sit here tonight, we're just reaching to you and saying, Father God, I want to know you more. I want to be closer to you. I want to have the conversations with you. I want to have that intimate relationship as a father to a son, as a father to a daughter. So Father, I'm extending my hand. As a young child extends his hand to his father, I'm extending my hand to you now. In these times, Father, the world can seem so big and only you can put things in the perspective that needs to be. And it's here that we stand, holding on to your hand, Father, knowing that you'll guide us, knowing that you'll protect us, but knowing greater than that, that you'll embody the wisdom within us that we can walk and we can walk boldly in this world knowing that you're there with us and that we're hearing you and talking to you. And we're doing what you need us to do. And we are, being, we are doing what all that we can do to serve you. Our, all, our question that reigns in our heart, Father, is how can we serve you more? How can we love you greater? Thank you, Father. And thank you for all the blessings and sacrifices made. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. A beautiful, beautiful world that we're in right now, as challenging as it may seem. It's a time when the doors are open so wide to connect deeply with Father. And it's it begins just with a dialogue. It begins just with a conversation. It begins with us having the courage and the trust that those conversations matter. And as we strengthen our armor and we ask Jesus to walk that path with us, we're building that deep relationship. We're building a deep relationship of trust to share our heart in the dark and murkiest of places. To walk that path of the map of our of our life and to let him show us those moments. And from each of those moments, as we find the need to repent and the sealing of that wound, we are then left with a greater and deeper relationship with Jesus and a greater strength in this world. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And as we work with Father God, this war is won. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
2: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe Dive into the deepest dead. Oh, I wanna feel something Let me get back in my body